Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Hello everyone and welcome to the Best Damn Camp, a Rowan verse read-long analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm your host Fran and welcome to the show. Today we continue our timeline journey with the Battle of the Labyrinth, Chapter 15, We Steal Some Slightly Used Wings, and Chapter 16, I Open a Coffin. As always, I have my points to focus on, so today we've got plot, reveals, characters, and generally what I thought of it. To note, because I have a feeling the children in my area are going to be idiots. If you hear screaming, it's because these children have nothing better to do and, oh my god, it's raining, why are you outside? Stop. (sighs) It's always when I'm about to record, isn't it? Anyway, To carry on, here's the synopsis for these two chapters. Run, run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me, Quintus. We're the heroes of this land. With a petulance for idiotic tendencies, on-the-go decisions, and just in general, terrible ideas that put everyone in danger. Wahahaha! Oh, God, it's the villains. And that's pretty much the that synopsis was not that good because it doesn't really give you anything. But that's pretty much what these two chapters do. They they give you a lot of stuff that mean nothing. <sighs> God. Okay, let's just go right into it. Let's start with chapter fifteen. We'll we'll the we steal some slightly used wings. And here is the overview for chapter fifteen. Our heroes escape and the newest member flees. More useless bickering and catty behaviour continues. Making their way to, towards Daedalus, Cronus shows Percy they have already lost and that Tyson and Grover are in trouble. With the maze collapsing, them making it to the work they make it to the workshop, only to find that Quintus is in fact Daedalus, and we're all shocked, really. They're too late. Luke already has the string. Quintus was tricked, however, and Minos arrives, ready to kill him, and with Nico captured. A fight emerges, and in a desperate act, they all jump into the open air in bronze wings, hoping for the best. And that's pretty much all that happens in this. There's so much that... These tra- this is what I was meaning, like these past multiple episodes that we've done. Too much was put into this book that now, this chapter was another 25 something pages chapter with so much in it. Because at this point, 
Like Rick has this thing, like all of his books have a specific number of chapters. I think they're all meant to be around 20 to 22 chapters max. I don't think they ever go higher than that. And you can tell that he's trying to stick to it because so much, near the end, he's put so much in at the start, way too much in at the start, most of it not really necessary. And then he then has to start putting so much into a single chapter because he's trying to keep within those number chapter amounts. I don't know if it's purpose, I feel like it's probably purposeful just because it's a common thread, but just so much is happening. We've had it with the last few chapters and it's just getting worse now. They're just getting so long with so much and it's just so unnecessary. And considering that there are so many things that should have been put in instead instead of some of the stuff that we did get. For example, let's start with the plot. And Ethan Nakamura needed to have a bigger role, firstly. But also, him... So he's obviously running off with them, he's escaped with them, and then he's left immediately after, just stating a very clear fact that we all know, but isn't discussed enough, is that the gods don't care about their children. So there is no right or wrong side, because both sides are... Basically, what he's saying is both sides mean nothing, but he's going to pick the side that seems to actually care a little bit more about him. And that's the side against the gods. Which, you know, fair enough. But this isn't discussed enough. So we're, like, instantly, we as an audience and our trio hate this guy and think he's an idiot. But because it hasn't been built up enough. If that was mentioned a few times, like, if we knew Ethan previously or something like that, or other demigods at the camp, like what I mentioned about Clarice a little while ago, if that had been brought up more that there were demigods who felt resentment but on both sides as well so we can understand why they choose the side that they have this decision that Ethan makes here would wouldn't come out of left field like it feels so random like he was just running for his life and now he's going back like they're just it makes no logical sense because it isn't discussed enough a single scene with this guy, this guy that we don't know, and we've only known him for a chapter. Yeah, in, to- in total a chapter, like we've only had a few scenes with him in total. And he's stating this, and it's this single scene, and it's just irritating. It needs to be more prevalent in the series than in one-off random moments with random characters. Because all the times that we do get references to how you know the gods need to fix themselves, are all from characters that play no significant role in the storm. We got it a little bit from Calypso. We're getting it a little bit now from Ethan. And we don't get it really anywhere else. We get a few mentions slightly with Clarice. We get a few, even though Luke is the antagonist, we only get a few slight mentions from him. We need more prominent characters, or at least if you're going to have side characters do it, have the side characters have more of a role. Like... None of the side characters who have ended up being, you know, important actually have any importance to the story except for that single moment when they're suddenly important. It needs to be done so much better. Like, this whole message of the gods need to improve, it's just not there. And this is just another example of that for me. But just going, moving on from the plot to reveals in particular, 
what you guys are probably gonna guess what i'm gonna say here why do we keep having dreams to only get to, to give an information in dreams specifically to then get the exact same information later now you guys know i love tyson you guys i know that i love tyson but we didn't need to know that him and grover were in trouble there is no reason for it nor did we need the hint from Kronos that his side was ahead of them, seeing as we literally find out a few pages later that Luke has Ariadne's string and is going to march on the camp. We don't need this information twice in a few pages separating them. Like, it's so dumb. Like, you don't need to do that. Stop repeating information. And it just is so regular that this happens. I think this is what, maybe the fourth time this has happened in this book it's, this isn't the only book that's done it but it's just it's more prevalent in this one and I'm finding it really irritating also this is what like <laughs> the 20th dream sequence in this book in particular as well just stop it stop it get some help <laughs> anyway um the other reveal that we get in this is obviously that Quintus is dateless and honestly this could have been done so much better if we hadn't have been slowly bit if it hadn't slowly basically been revealed in a sense the story of Daedalus the coincidence nature of these dreams happening about Daedalus while he as Quintus is at camp is just so on the nose for me like I was able to figure out Quintus was Daedalus the first time I read these books. I don't know, maybe it's because I was 19 when I first read them, but it just feels really obvious. Like, the, the only thing that I think would have been so much better, firstly, to actually give Quintus more of a role. Like, he has no role in this book, but he's, like, an important character. Have him interact with Percy more as a person instead of the Daedalus dreams. Get rid of the dreams. Get rid of the Daedalus dreams. They serve no purpose whatsoever. Annabeth is obsessed with Daedalus. Have Percy ask her questions. So firstly, they can interact because the only interaction that they've been having is him not being particularly nice to her and then her being, you know, not Annabeth. I don't feel like she's acting like herself at all. But anyway, have them interact. If we're meant to be building up some kind of relationship or a building to something more with them in this book, that hasn't happened at all all if anything all that's happened in this book is making it seem like Annabeth is an asshole that's all this book seems to be doing and I mean at least so is Percy that not that anyone will say it Percy's just been as mean if I'm honest and I'll get to that but have her talk about Daedalus give her more of a role in this book on her actual quest but in general have Quintus as himself interact more with Percy have them build up and give more hints for his nature the only hint that we get that he is Daedalus is that Percy sees a sort of little the burn of the what was it the I can't remember what kind of bird it was um I don't remember I don't care um of the bird mark to represent the little boy that he basically led to the death of his nephew um as a sign of his like a murderer's mark is basically what it's called so that's the only sign of it but give more hints of him in person of who he really is instead of just having a one random scene between the two of them and then have it that 
Quintus is a traitor. Because we don't care that he's a traitor. Because we don't know who the hell he is. We don't know anything about him. So him sneaking off, we're kind of like, oh, well, that just seems about right. And then you just kind of forget because no one cares. <laughs> also, it makes the portray... If he and Percy have built up a little bit of more of a bond, that betrayal of him sneaking off, seemingly that he's working with Luke, and also the fact that he gave Luke the string, will feel more like a betrayal. We'll feel that more. We'll actually give a damn. But right now... He serves no purpose in the story. So we don't actually care about anything that he does, even though what he's doing is meant to be significant. But we get none of that. That needed to be done. And it just isn't. And I'm just, I, I hope it's, this is the thing. So just to kind of go into the TV show. So I did my video the other day, and I'll link in the episode show notes. The books themselves need improving. And I'm really hoping that the show doesn't stick completely to what the books are like. If they do that, I think I myself will be disappointed. I'll be glad that we'll have a TV show. Hope that is accurate. But if nothing is changed to improve the story, I'm going to be disappointed. Um, I'm going to be doing more videos to think about what I think the TV show should incorporate or change from the books and stuff like that. Um, no one particularly seemed to like them like the video that much lots of people had more complaints about what I was saying than anything so we'll see how that goes because I see this a lot the Percy Jackson fandom don't are not particularly kind people which sucks because I love these books but fans are making me feel like I don't deserve to love these books um, just getting out of that out of the way because some fans are knobs and I'm getting really tired of them this, this is what so that Percy Jackson video that I did is the first Percy Jackson video that I've done in what like two months that's how fed up I've been of doing Percy Jackson videos podcast is great because I think the best and it sounds me doing a podcast like this I get less interaction from Percy Jackson fans so I feel better about what I'm doing on YouTube they can say whatever the hell they want because they've got the anonymity and they aren't they are not kind they aren't they're, they're not nice um anyway I'm just gonna move on because that I could go on for a while about that anyway I'm gonna move on to characters actually just from what I've been saying about Percy I have come to not like Percy that much over the series and I think this is interesting because I don't think that would be the case. I know who which characters I really do not like, but I'm starting to dislike him a little bit more in some areas just because of his treatment of some people I feel isn't particularly good. Because honestly, in these two chapters, in this book as a whole, he has won the award for the unkindest friend as well as the most dense. Like, <laughs> when I first read these books, even before I dived into her character a little bit more, I understood Annabeth's frustrations and her emotions before I was diving into it. Like, when I was reading the books for the first time, I understood where she was coming from straight away. Even Rachel knows what's going on with her, and she doesn't even know anything about her though her initial sort of antagonising 
of her makes that a little bit more annoying that she kind of understands where Annabeth's mind's at. But Percy has known Annabeth for three plus years and he still doesn't understand anything about her emotions. If anything, he doesn't trust her emotions. And I'll get onto that into the next chapter, actually. He doesn't trust her in some areas. And I find that really insulting for someone that is meant to be her best friend, basically. But he has been, in this book particularly, he has been uncharacteristically unkind towards her and then has gotten annoyed when she has been kind of prickly back to him. So when, in this chapter specifically, when they reach the workshop, Annabeth obviously throughout this, and even at the start, and he does mention this at the start, and I'll mention that as well, Annabeth has been stuck on the idea, so this is the common knowledge, and basically what would make most sense is that Daedalus's workshop should be in the oldest part of the maze, so that area of the maze should look the oldest, but it's really modern looking when they arrive, so she's surprised that it's modern, because that doesn't make sense to her. So Percy snarks to her about it, basically being like, oh, well, this doesn't look old to me. I can't even remember the words that he said, but it's so bloody rude that it actually, it's, and she's obviously justifiably kind of gives him like a look. And I'm like, too right. He's just insulted her for the second time about this. Like, he did this when they first entered I think it was meant to do with like the left wall sort of thing, it's like if you keep your hand on the left wall you can find your way and obviously then the left wall disappears and he snarks at her being like oh well what are we supposed to do now that there isn't a left wall and I'm like mate go away, you have no right to be talking to her this way when firstly you currently have stolen her quest from her relied and trusted a mortal girl you know nothing about more than someone you know and have been friends with supposedly for three plus years and now you have the gall to snark at her again about something she's probably already hating herself about by making it clear that she was wrong it's like rubbing salt into an already stinging wound this is and he knows what her fatal flaw is as well she knows that she is incredibly prideful and yet he's rubbing her face in it he's not trusting her he's trusting someone who he shouldn't really be trust. well obviously he should but he has no reason to because he knows nothing about this person and yet he's trusted her more and given her Annabeth's quest, the first quest Annabeth has ever gotten. It's just, it's really, really mean. But no one seems to ever recognise this about him. Like, he is not particular. Everyone always brings up, and this is the thing, everyone always brings up about how Annabeth is so mean to Percy. And I'm like, Percy's just, a, just as much of a knob as she is. Like, he is not nice to her in this book at all like dude learn to speak to people and understand people's feet sally teach your son how to treat women better that's all i'm gonna say 
<sighs> it just this whole thing it just feels really out of character for him i'll actually say that as well he's not being the best at understanding people's emotions but he didn't used to be so unkind about it to rub it in someone's face so it just feels really out of character for him but anyway okay i'll move on now to chapter 16 i open a coffin and this is the overview for chapter 16. more is learned sort of about rachel we return to the labyrinth but don't make it far until percy decides to be dumb breaking into mount orthis it he discovers that it's now basically completely returned ethan has returned back to the titan side and as luke is revealed to be seemingly dead in the coffin ethan pledges his 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 allegiance to the titan's side in doing so luke wakes up but is now the host for chronos it is then that our four flee after a blue hairbrush saves the day and that's pretty much the overview for chapter 16 this is quite a long chapter as well actually but again feels like nothing really happened um hold on let me check how many pages that was actually because now i'm not too sure that i said that 24. yeah nearly 20 pages everything is getting to 20 pages now oh my gosh but then it feels like nothing has happened because all basically is we've gone back to the labyrinth after Daedalus uh, not Daedalus after Rachel was able to swindle a ride out of someone they've gone back in they've started heading towards New York and then Rachel sends something evil something like death Nico sensed it too, especially the death part. And the person's just like, yeah, I'm going to go check it out. It's like, why? Why? <sighs> and then it's a whole, oh, Ethan's rejoined the bad guys, quote unquote. Oh, Luke is dead. Oh, no, Luke is not. Oh, he's grown nice. Ah. Anyway, okay, I'm going to get into it. So I'm talking about plot and reveals again, but I'm talking about them basically in the same bit because they're kind of going hand in hand in this chapter. Everything that happened in this chapter needed to be foreshadowed so much more. And I'm talking like this book, the last, the series, basically. Ethan joining the ranks of the Titans, he should have been a character in the show and uh, not in the show in the books beforehand either having him in the background role in one of the past books or just actually even just having the demigods as a whole having his thought more demigods having his thought process shown throughout the books it will make sense as to why he's turning against the gods because his exact words are i pledge my allegiance to the titans no i i re- I rescind my allegiance to the god or something like that and his words are what have they ever done for me make that more clear make that more clear throughout the books with other demigods with Percy with our main trio just make it a more common theme that demigods as a whole are frustrated and disappointed in the gods because they've never done anything for them they expect so much of out of them but they get nothing in return and it's just like I get it, it's good, build it up way more. 
Similar on that thread is Luke's decision needed to be prefaced so much more in this book and maybe even in the Titan's Curse as well. Like we get hints of his invulnerability in the Titan's Curse. Build that up in this book. We know that somehow he managed to survive a, what, 60 foot fall or something like that in the previous book. Build into that. Make us try and figure out how that happened, why that happened, what that means and all these sort of things, but it just doesn't happen. And as such, in this book, he should have played a more prominent in-person role. Not even just in this book, actually. In the last two books, he should... No dream sequences. Have him be physically there in person. So when he disappears suddenly in this book, and isn't there for the main part of it... I'd say, actually, in the if the arena scene has to stay don't have him be there which it becomes really obvious you're kind of like surely luke would be here have kelly or whatever the hell her name is be the stand-in for luke and everyone like everyone's kind of being like wait where the hell's luke then like this is weird have that because we would feel that so much more of being like wait we've been seeing him and we know that he's got plans but he's not here that's really weird like that's make a big deal out of that have us as the readers feel his disappearance so when he reappears in this chapter as chronos it feels so much more significant like him not being in daedalus's workshop the chapter after we've just seen him was such an insignificant moment because he firstly he's hardly been in the book in person in general it just feels like oh yeah this just makes sense because we don't see him anyway but clearly this was actually meant to be a hint that about what's happening here in that he's gone to join with Kronos. Like, that... You can't make that a thing within a single chapter. The chapter... So chapter 14, we see him. We then don't see him in chapter 15. And then we get the reveal in chapter 16 that he's now Kronos. That is not enough time for us to start wondering. And also the fact that we don't see him enough makes us not give a damn that he's suddenly disappeared for a single chapter. Make it multiple chapters. Make his disappearance feel unnerving. Him being gone at a significant point will put us on edge if he's had a significant role, which he hasn't had, which needed to be a thing but it just hasn't been so we don't we don't care it feels like when it happens when we find out he's Kronos it's like oh no this is terrible but at the same time we're kind of not feeling sympathy for Luke if we were building up that it feels like we're supposed to be feeling sympathy of some kind because we see that he's a little bit nervous on edge in the dream sequences but build that up make him look sickly make him look just make that whole make that a thing for what's to come in the future. Build into... Luke just needs to actually have a bit more of a role in the books before becoming Kronos. So we actually care about him. And feel his anger and resentment. Make him feel like an important character. Because just right now he doesn't. And now he just feels like... A shield. I don't know. I don't know. It just it needed to be done so much better. I think it's just the thing here. But anyway, just to kind of get into this last bit. 
And again, talking about Percy as a character. <sighs> Percy's idiocy is plot convenience at this point. The fact that they sense something evil and he goes to just check it out just because is such a bogus reason. The only... <sighs> Just as a whole, I'm beginning to get sick of his such of his blase attitude of being like, oh, I'll be fine. I'm like, firstly, this is the fourth book of where cases of it'll be fine have been proven wrong. Stop doing it. There's no justification in general. There's evil down there. Oh, I'll go check it out because I think that must be where Luke and Kronos are. Firstly, that's such a ridiculous guess. It makes no sense. But also, but weren't they in Colorado a little while ago? So how have they gotten to San Francisco? So I don't know where America is. Well, no, I know where America is. I don't know where American states are or, like, how far away they are from each other. That doesn't make any sense. It just, it feels like the only reason why it appeared and why Percy was just like, oh, yeah, I'll go check it out for no reason is to just bring in the reveal of Luke being Kronos. That's the only reason that's there. You know what would have been more terrifying? Is seeing, or not even seeing this sequence of Luke becoming Kronos, but finding out in person, in the next book, or in, in this book somewhere, seeing Luke in person already as Kronos. That would be terrifying. We wouldn't know fully what happened to Luke. We wouldn't know the situation. The unknown is scary. And that's what this needs to be. It needs to be a terrifying moment of, holy crap, what do we do now? How do we fix this? What happened? How do we do... Things like that. Build that in. Make that significant. Build up the unknown nature of it. It'd, be, it'd just be so out of left field that you wouldn't expect it. And it would be scary. Which is what Cronus is kind of meant to be scary. He's the biggest bad. But we just don't get that feeling of him. But no, we just need Percy being reckless for the, for the sake of it. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It just, there are too many things in this book in particular that I feel could have been done so much better. So it's disappointing when it doesn't happen. Because it just. <laughs> Things just things are picking up so much in speed. The pacing so far in these last couple of chapters is non-existent. I feel like I'm rushing just reading because so much is happening all at once that I'm kind of struggling to keep up with it because there's just... It's not that I'm struggling to keep up with it. I'm struggling to care to keep up with it, which sounds really mean. But when so much is happening most of it nonsensical so much of it that it's just uh, ends up being repeating information as well you just kind of lose interest and that's just what i've been having happen which is probably why i'm kind of being a little bit harder on these chapters than i have been in the past just because this could have been split up and written so much better and the pacing could have been so much better if things just not slowed down. Like, you do need the pace of it. But you can tell that things are sped up so much because Rick has come to realise, oh, I need to finish this book soon. Well, I need to finish this story soon. So I'm going to rush this final bit. Like, the first, so much in the first half of this book could have been condensed 
so easily. So this latter half wasn't so rushed. Considering we've got a battle coming up soon, you can tell that that battle's going to be rushed because we've got what? Let's look. Um, page 290. And we've got to get to 340. So that is 60 pages. No. Yeah, six, 60, 50 pages. Um, we're clearly going to have a battle in there somewhere. And then the aftermath. And probably something else. In 60 pages. That's not that much time. It's going to be rushed. I can feel it. I haven't read this book in a long while now, actually. And admittedly, this is the book that I never really remember that much of. But in 60 pages, to have so much that you need to wrap up, it's going to be rushed. I can guarantee it. But anyway, instead of just predicting this sort of stuff, but we'll obviously get to and read it and I can give you my thoughts then. But to finish for this, I will go into this week's question of the episode. Um, I think, yeah. So this week's question of the episode is, what did you think about the reveal of Luke as Kronos? And just, uh, yeah, just let me know in the comments on Instagram, I'll be posting the question on the Thursday, and uh, email me your thoughts also. Um, before I sign off, I do want to just say that I have gotten a recent, a little while ago actually, so I apologise for the delay in putting this out, review for The Best Damn Camp on Apple Podcasts, and it was from Apex Me, I apologise if I'm saying that wrong, uh, that wrong. and it's the, the subject, pretty cool. Alright, cool, I'm down with the kids. <laughs> um, and the comment is, I love this podcast, by the way, I'm a child of Hades. And hey, child of Hades, nice. Um, but yeah, so if you guys want to leave a rating and a review for The Best Damn Camp, you can do that on Apple Podcasts. Um, and hopefully, if I remember to check, I will read it out at the end also. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll, we'll just finish it up here. Um, so I want to thank you guys for joining me today for the Battle of the Labyrinth. Be sure to join me next Wednesday as we continue our right Audenverse journey in the new year. Very cool. Now to plug where you can find our podcast, we are available on Spotify where you should click the follow button. Apple Podcasts where you should subscribe and leave a rating and a review. Audioboom, Stitcher, Deezer and basically all podcasting platforms. In the meantime, between episodes, you can find The Best Damn Camp on various social media at Best Damn Camp Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to email me with your own thoughts, you can email thebestdamncamppod at hotmail.com and I'll read it out at the end of the show. If you want to support me making this content, check me out on Patreon at A Healthy Dose of Fran. And with that in mind, check out my YouTube channel, A Healthy Dose of Fran, for more, for more Percy Jackson content and drop me a follow. And a dose of Fran on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, I've been Fran, your very own hunter, and I'll see you slash speak to you guys next time. Tayo, good chance.